0: Well, I want to welcome you here this morning if uh, you're visiting with us. Um, we are excited to be going through the book of Jude, so if you want to, you can make your way there. It's uh, maybe more of the page of Jude, but nevertheless, God-inspired, and we have been working our way through this little letter uh, since the beginning of last month. We are today going to work our way through uh, verses 8 through thirteen, and Jude is a, a very strong-toned book, a very strong warning unto the church of how false teachers and those who divide creep into the church and begin to cause havoc from the inside out. How many of you know that it's easy, often, to find a wolf who acts like a wolf? But uh, these are people who have crept into the church in the first century, and so we've had uh, we'll have a series of three. Uh, sermons this is the second one concerning the apostates who are inside the church i've titled the message apostates unveiled hopefully you've made your way there jude 8 or yes jude 1 8 through 13 says this yet in the same way these men also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these men revile the things which they do not understand, and the things which they know by instinct. Like unreasoning animals, by these things they are destroyed. Woe to them! For they have gone the way of Cain, and for pay they have rushed headlong into the air of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea. Casting up their own shame like foam. Wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved
1: forever. Let's pray.
0: Father, as we come to your word this morning, we know that uh, Jude is dealing with very specific issues inside the church in the mid-60s AD. But Lord, you have preserved this word for us. And that means, Lord, certainly if they were in the church then, they will be in the church now. I pray, God, that if there are any wolvish type of attitudes in our own heart, Lord, that you would convict us of that sin as we think and ponder our way through this text that you have given the church. And Lord, I pray, as Jude's brother wrote, that we would be doers of the word and not just hearers, Lord. We'll give you all the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A French author by the name of Charles Perrault was born on January 12, 1628. Charles laid the foundations for a newly identified literary genre, now known as the fairy tale. Most of his works were derived from from earlier folktales, which he went on to have published in a single volume in 1697. The best known of his tales were uh, ones that you have heard of, Cinderella, Puss in Boots, The Sleeping Beauty, and one we all know, Les Petit Chaperons Rouge, or in English, Little Red Riding Hood. The story revolves around a girl called Little Red Riding Hood. In Perrault's tale, she is named after her red hooded cape. The story goes, Riding Hood walks through the woods, you know it, to deliver some food to her sickly grandmother. While doing so, the big bad wolf enters the tale, and he wants to eat the girl. So, the wolf secretly stalks behind her. He uses the trees, the bushes, and the shrubs, and patches of tall grass to hide hide himself. Eventually, the wolf approaches Little Red Riding Hood, and she naively tells him, that she is going to her grandmother's house. Well, like all wolves, being very nice and needing to creep into the house where he could devour Red Riding Hood in secret, he suggests that she take some time and pick some flowers for her grandmother so that when she showed up, she would have a nice present. In the meantime, the big bad wolf scurries off to her grandmother's house, keeps Uh, creeps in by presenting himself to be Little Red Riding Hood, and what does he do but swallow Grandmother whole. When the girl arrives, she notices that her grandmother looks very strange with those clothes on. Little Red
1: says, What a deep voice you have. The better to greet you with, responded the wolf. Goodness, what
0: big eyes you have. Well, the better to see you with, responded the wolf. And what big hands you have, and the better to embrace you with, responded the wolf. And Little Red said, what big teeth you have. And at that moment, the wolf says, the better to eat you with. And he jumps up and he eats with one gulp Little Red Riding Hood, too. Like Jude in the first century, the 17th century fairy taleist warned his readers about manipulation and false appearances of wolves in grandmother's clothing. Perrault said this about this story, and I quote, Watch out if you haven't learned that tame wolves are the most dangerous of all. Friends, we have been considering this oft-forgotten epistle, uh, one page in front of the book of Revelation this epistle of Jude. What we have learned in uh, verses 1 through 7 is that Jude is the brother of James and the half-brother of Jesus our Lord. He considers his life to be best defined as a slave or a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He is writing to born-again Christians in the mid-60s AD. He is appealing to them, as you can see there in front of you, verse 3, to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all, handed down to the saints and why is Jude commanding them to do this verse 4 because certain persons have crept in unnoticed they are ungodly persons whom turn the grace of our Lord into licentiousness and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ where regenerate Christians master is the lord jesus obeying all that he teaches these certain persons like the big bad wolf have crept into the church and by their lifestyle they are literally denying the lordship of christ they are claiming christ they are saying they are christians but because of that which they do their life screams we are not christians jude is concerned a couple of weeks ago, we considered the warning signs found in verses 5 through 7. Signs like uh, insubordination and disobedience to God's appointed leadership, Moses and Arian. They were warning, uh, a warning sign of God's willingness to judge. Number two, we, we saw disobedience to God's appointed roles in his creation. The angels left their domain to have intercourse with uh, the daughters of men. And God judged them to eternal darkness. And number three, we saw immoral living. In this case, the normalization and celebration of same-gender or homosexual relationships. Without a doubt, these were all warning signs of God's willingness to judge, and not just partially eternally. Jude said in verse 7, those signs are exhibited as an example
1: in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Beloved, the church of the first century had big, bad
0: wolves who had crept in. Where Jude was general in their identification of verse 4, he is going to spend the remainder of this letter defining who these people are. And like every wolf who has ever crept into the church, we may get tricked, like Little Red Riding Hood did, by their clothing initially, but without a doubt, their fruit will always always show up, and eternal darkness awaits them. Where the last message would, was titled, Apostates Warned," and next week's, Lord willing, will be Apostates Condemned, this week's message is titled, Apostates Unveiled. So let's take a look at how the Word of God takes a close off these apostates, revealing the wolf underneath. Verse 8, yet in the same way, these men. These men is a reference to verse 4's certain persons these men are apostates and I want to take just a minute I, I spent quite a bit of time digging into this but there is a difference between heresy and apostasy and when we think of heresy it goes all the way go back into classic Greek works its way into Koine Greek and is used often in the LXX the Septuagint that's the Greek uh, Greek translation of the Old Testament that happens in the mid 300s. And in classic Greek, it's simply meant to choose, the word heresy, to choose. And as you move into Hellenism in that time, it begins to be a choose, a school of thought. In other words, you, uh, and then by time actually when Jesus arrives in the first century, you have the schools of thought, you have, um, you have all these different uh, Sadducees, that's a school of thought, it's a heresy. Uh, you have the Pharisees, it's a heresy you have the Essenes they were a heresy they were schools of thought they were philosophical schools later when Christ comes in the New Testament and uh, we begin to have Christians they began to be a heresy and that's where the negative connotation works its way into history that these Jews would look at Christians and that was a Christian
1: school of thought a heresy Later, the Catholic Church would adopt that term and anyone who went
0: outside of their teaching would be heretics and they would be cast out what's well, really no different today a heresy would be a, a teaching that is outside that which we believe the Bible teaches was once for all handed down to the Saints As odd as it seems, uh, if you go to our website and you look up our statement of faith, that is what we believe the Bible to be teaching. Are you tracking with me, saints? So if something is outside of what we believe the Bible to be teaching as members of First Baptist Church, not in a horrible way, we would just say it's heretical. When Apollos is uh, approached by uh, Aquila and Priscilla in the book of Acts, There is some form of heresy going on. They pull him aside and they teach him that he needs to teach a better way. He's teaching the baptism of John. And they're saying, no, you've got to teach the baptism of Jesus Christ. There was a heresy there. The difference is uh, uh, between heresy and apostasy is literally means apostasy to stand away from. These people stand away from. They have have chosen to not accept the doctrines of the faith. So these men that we are talking about or Jude is pinning about are apostates. They had left the faith that was once for all handed down to the saints. But listen, beloved, they still identified as Christians. It is about these men which the Holy Spirit inspired Jude, found it necessary to write the church. Notice how the Lord unveils these apostates. We're going to go over a few of them today. These men are revilers, Jude 10. These men are sneaky. They are hidden amongst the church, Jude 12. These men have have been prophesied about long ago, Jude 14. These men are grumblers, and these, listen here, are the ones who cause divisions. How many divisions have you been around in the church? It is not those who end up in the division. It is the one who caused the division. The one who is creating the
1: angst, creating the problem, bringing it up, are apostates. So let's take
0: the clothes off these wolves. Jews said, also, by dreaming, defile the flesh and reject authority. Every wolf rejects the authority of God's Word and operates their lives within the instincts of their flesh rather than the power of the Spirit. And let me tell you, as I have already mentioned to you this morning, beloved, it's the ones who know the Bible that are the most dangerous. It's the ones who call themselves Christians that are the most dangerous. It's the ones who dress right, act right, speak right, think right, these are the ones who cause divisions. They have snuck in, Jude says. They have crept in, Jude says, in verse, in verse 4. But he calls them here dreamers. Dreams and visions were common in, uh, in how God had communicated to his people. Genesis 28, verses 12 and 13. Jacob has a dream where Yahweh confirms his covenant to Jacob and his family, his ancestors says this in verse 12, he, that's Jacob, had a dream and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and your descendants so god had revealed a dream to jacob there are many others but i'm going to fast forward to matthew chapter 1 verse 20 and we see that god even in the new testament is revealing things through dreams matthew 1 20. but when he had considered this behold an angel of the lord appeared to him in a what dream saying joseph son of david do not be afraid to take mary as your wife For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So it was not uncommon to have a dream. And those dreams uh, would be leaned on as some form of spiritual authority. But these apostates, they were claiming that their dreams gave them authority and it led them, look there, to defile the flesh. That reference is, in context, a reference to sexual immorality. In other words, they are having dreams. They are wanting to teach the, the church that everything, all things uh, um, intimate in nature, were okay. How do we know he's talking about that? Jude opens in verse verse 8, he says this, yet in the same way. Well, what way? The way of Sodom and Gomorrah of verse 7. Those men who wanted same gender or homosexual relations with those who appeared to be Lot's male guests. So these apostates claimed authority from their dreams to commit this immorality. And in doing so, they rejected the authority of God's word and ultimately the lordship of Jesus Christ. And we talked a little bit about this last week, did we not? I mentioned to you that I have three friends who struggle with same, uh, same gender relationships, one of which has totally given himself uh, to that world, and the other two just fight the fight because they look at God's word. They say that this is what God has revealed about the issues of gender and sexuality. And as much as I feel one way, I must Submit, I must
1: obey to what God has said. So these apostates claimed their authority from their dreams. They committed immorality because of that. And in
0: doing so, they rejected the authority of God's word and ultimately the lordship of Jesus. That is his lordship. The word that is getting translated as authority in your text is the word Kyriates in the Greek. And it is this literally. It is the majestic power that the Kyrios, that is the Lord, wields. In other words, the Kyrios is the Lord, that's Jesus Christ. He handed down uh, the truths of God's uh, very word in life to the saints once for all. Jude has already mentioned that. And in those words is the power. It is the authority. He is the Lord. He alone. And so the Kyriates, the authority that is being spoken of, is the majestic power that the Kyrios, the Lord, wields. It means the Lord's ruling power. His lordship, they were denying. His dominion, they were denying. And they were doing this by dreams, and they were dreamers. So these men have dreams that give them license to commit immorality. And by doing so, they reject the ruling power of Christ. They are
1: apostate. They stand away from the truths of God. We live in the West, and I noticed
0: uh, in my seminary days that there was not a a prevalent amount of uh, Mormons in the southeast corner of the world, but here there certainly is. As a matter of fact, I was driving down Dale Range just the other day, and Watch two of those uh, Mormon missionaries going down in their white shirts and their black pants and their little black badges on. and It's ironic to me, although we would absolutely recognize that as an apostate faith, it didn't start that way. And ironically, in my mind, if you talk to one today, if you take the time to speak with them, they have adopted every Christian term where they used to want to get away from it. Now they have adopted it. And when they say salvation, you hear it the way we do. Right? By grace, through faith alone. That is not the word they're talking about. They are doing every and putting every effort to become Christians. They're doing that through changing terminology. If you know anything about their history, it originated with a vision to Joseph Smith. He was a dreamer. If you know anything about their history, you'll know that they practice polygamy. They can have multiple wives. Interesting, Right? How this this fits right in. They practiced sexual immorality. And if you know anything about their history, you'll know that they rejected the word of God passed down. They would tell you immediately that you cannot trust God's word as it has been passed down to the saints once for all. And why do they do it? So they can teach doctrines that they want to teach. Friends, in addition to dreaming, committing sexual immorality, and rejecting authority, These men, Jude writes of, revile. That word there in the Greek is blasphemy. And they revile angelic majesties. Your translations will have different things there, but the word in the Greek is doxos. It's glorious or glorious ones. One commentator rightly affirms the N.S.B.'s translation in the use of angels or the ESV's glorious ones and points out that angels had a special function in the distribution of God's moral law given to man. The angels were present at the giving of the law
1: at Mount Sinai. Notice this in Deuteronomy 33, verses 2. The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone
0: forth from Mount Paran, and he came from the midst, listen here, of 10,000 Holy ones, that's the angel. Stephen's discourse to religious elites noted that they ordained, uh, they were, they uh, the the angels ordained the receiving of the law in Acts chapter seven. He's he is speaking to those religious leaders, and he says, "You who receive the law, that is those Jews, as ordained by angels." Paul affirmed Stephen's preaching and told the churches in Galatia, Galatians three nineteen. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been, listen, ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator. The writer of Hebrews pinned this in Hebrews 2, 1 through 3. For this reason we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. Sound familiar? For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. The angels functioned, and their function at the giving of the law was to ordain, to say, Amen. This is what God has said this is what he has laid down this is what he uh has laid down as once for all given to the saints to hold on to jude will say in verse four and three to contend for that faith earnestly these men by dreams no less are blaspheming angels who sit in the presence of god get direct revelation from him and who ordained the giving of the mosaic law think of that
1: Ultimately, every wolf must tear down authority to get a hearing. So Jude
0: unveils these apostates by letting the early church and us 2,000 years later know that these will be people who do not understand nor fear spiritual authority. And in an effort to teach the church how ridiculous this notion of blaspheming angels is, the Spirit of the Lord pins an example there in verse 9. Look at that. But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed the, the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Think of this. These men have come along. And they uh, are trying to claim authority through the dreams that they are having. They are telling the early church they are snuck in and that they continue to call themselves Christians. But they're saying, we continue to get revelation. I have no doubt, just like Joseph Smith, I have no doubt the man had a vision. Jesus said, right, that some would show up
1: and they would look glorious, like an angel. But they were false prophets, there's no doubt. The reason
0: God has given us his word is that we would study it, that we would look at it, that we would know it, that we would be like the Bereans who would go to it and justify everything that is being said. How ridiculous. Huge point is this. Even the archangel Michael doesn't blaspheme the fallen angel Satan. He only speaks on behalf of the curios, the Lord. Think of that. He is a... He is a creature who has a will and the ability to use his moral will, and he refuses to speak to Satan. What does that say for some in the church today who go around casting out demons and having visions and telling everybody uh, what God has said and ca- claiming that there's still prophecy today and the word of the Lord says to you today? And I had a dream about you, and let me tell you about you. Let me tell you, let me, let me warn you just a little bit, folks. I, I was born again. In the charismatic world and I've seen a lot of it and I've seen some pretty miraculous things where I knew the person speaking uh, and I knew the person re- receiving that speaking and this person who is speaking is talking about them in a way they should not know you think man that's pretty powerful but let me tell you something the devil knows everything present you tracking with me That's why God said that his prophet would tell the future and if it didn't come true to take him outside and stone him. One day I was uh, sitting in a a Bible study and a young man who was enamored with a ministry that's in Kansas City uh, called the International House of Prayer uh, had gone down there and he um, had learned this gift of prophecy and he began to prophesy at at our small group and my pastor, Pastor Martin, just looked at him and said, Good, if that doesn't come true, can we take you out and stone you?
1: The word of God is what we have. That's what we know. That's what we're to look to. That which has been handed down. Friends, Jude is beginning to unveil these wolves. They are laying claim to authority by alleging divine
0: dreams. They teach that dreams give them license to sin and they even revile or blaspheme the angels of which Michael himself would not do. Jude goes on to unveil these apostates who are in the church by telling the uh, uh, telling us that like wild animals, they are driven by their instincts. They are men who are not driven by the spirit of God, but by every instinct that comes to mind. Look at verse ten. But these men revile the things which they do not understand. And the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals, by these things they are destroyed. The imagery that the Spirit-inspired Jude gives here is one of something we would be very much aware of. I remember thinking when I was in junior high, we had to take a, take a history of Wyoming class that Uh, Spoke of all kinds of mountain men and trappers, and, and this is the imagery here that Jude used. Trappers use all kinds of traps to catch animals who cannot reason, and that is what Jude is calling these people. They are not reasonable. As a matter of fact, they count, these trappers, they count on the animals' unreasoning nature. An animal cannot see the trap that is set before it. The trapper uses some form of bait, you know, and these animals are driven, listen, by their instinct. They don't pay attention to anything around them, but they are driven by that instinct to attain that which their natural desire drives them toward. There are different kinds of traps. Maybe you have seen a bunch. I had a friend uh, when I was a young man who was the assistant district attorney over in Laramie. Uh, He loved to trap, and he had trap lines all up and down the Laramie River. There are foothold traps, there are body gripping, or what they called conibear traps. There are deadfall traps. There are pits, there are snares, there are cages. All designed for the unreasoning animal to be trapped. After the animal springs the trap, the trapper will gather them up
1: and put them to death. Jude tells us that if we want to identify a wolf in grandma's clothes, we can know
0: them as people who go after whatever their flesh desires. They will deny the lordship or obedience to Jesus Christ, and ultimately, in the end, the angels, just like that trapper, will come to
1: gather them up and put them to death. I don't know everybody in here this morning, but... It is a promise of God's word. It matters not how long you have been in the church. It matters not how long you have called yourself a Christian. It matters not. You do not know and obey, love Jesus Christ as your Lord, listen here, and your Savior. You will not have assurance of salvation. Everybody wants to claim Jesus as Savior does not come without
0: saying Jesus is Lord. I said early in my sermon that, that um, Jude introduces himself in such a way, he says he is a what? Slave. He does not hold on to his life that he gets to follow after whatever passion or follow after whatever thing. And listen, beloved, there are people who just love the church and they follow after that passion, but they're not born again. He's loved to come to church. Over the years, they'll create
1: and cause divisions. They'll be angry. They'll stick around like a parasite. All under the title Christian, but God's word says you'll know them by their fruit. They're dividers. They cause divisions. Because of their arrogance and ignorance, Jude is in a very damning statement, says this, Woe to them, for they
0: have gone the way of Cain, for pay they have rushed headlong into the air of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Now I'm telling you, beloved, if you're not in love with your Old Testament, there is so much color in these verses. Go back and read every one of these stories, and it will bring color to the apostates that had been within Israel the whole time. For time's sake, we can't get into them, but these men who Jude is unveiling are false worshipers like Cain in Genesis 4. Cain came, uh, and it seems as if it's very clear, based on the um, condemnation that he received, that he had instruction from the Lord on what type of sacrifice to bring. And Cain did not bring that sacrifice, and ultimately he was excommunicated out of the community of Adam and Eve's family. Now it's not explicit in the text, it just is there, right? God accepted Abel's sacrifice and he did not accept Cain's sacrifice, which gives us the implication, the understanding that there was a rule. There was something handed down from Adam and Eve who had that animal sacrifice to cover their sinful flesh that he was supposed to bring, an animal sacrifice. Cain did not do it, and that's what these men are like. They call themselves part of Israel, part of Adam and Eve's family, part of the church, but just
1: like Cain, they want to worship the way they want to worship. Don't tell me how to worship. I'll bring what I want. They were taking payment for their divination like Balaam.
0: Go back and read that story as, as the 40 years are up and, and they have suffered in the wilderness because of their sin and denial to go into Israel from Kadesh Barnea, which we talked of last week. Numbers chapter 22 through 25 records this amazing story of Balaam, this, this prophet for hire, so to say. They come to him, Balak comes to him and, and hires him, what? To curse Israel. And he goes and he sets up along their path three different times and every time he wants to, to uh, say something that he, he wants to curse them, he can't curse them, but blesses them. And ultimately what Balaam
1: does is coerce sexual immorality and it destroys and brings death to Israel as they're moving towards the promised land.
0: Don't be like Cain. That's what these men are like. They just worship whatever way they want. Don't be like Balaam who takes payment for divination. So many things tied to that, in the heart of that. Why Peter says in 1 Peter 5 that a a shepherd, a pastor of a church, should uh, should not be shepherding for finances. Right? You should be shepherding willingly. There should be nothing in your life that says, I won't shepherd, unless I get paid. It's kind of the same spirit that's driving Balaam.
1: He's a, he's a hired gun. He's a pastor for hire. Tell us what we want to hear, Balaam. That's what these men are like. And just like the God-inspired
0: narrative of Numbers 16, these men are like the sons of Korah who disobeyed
1: God's appointed leadership. And for this, they will perish. There are men who are not submitted to the leadership that God has placed, both in Israel and in the church. Beloved Jude is unveiling these apostates one piece of clothing at a
0: time. They are dreamers. They are immoral. They reject the lordship of Jesus. They blaspheme angels. They are false worshipers. They take payment from the church's enemies to curse them, and they reject the God-given authority in the church, the word of God, and its proclaimers, the elders. In Little Red Riding Hood, Charles Perrault only warns with four details of the wolf who had crept in to take the life of that young maiden. He had a deep voice, he had large eyes, right? He had big hands, and he had huge teeth, beloved the French author Charles Perrault had written Little Red Riding Hood as a warning to readers about men preying on young girls. He concludes his fairy tale with a moral, cautioning women and young girls about the dangers of trusting wolves. He stated this, and I quote him, I say wolf, singular, for all wolves are not of the same sort. There is one kind with an amiable disposition, neither noisy nor hateful, nor angry, but tame, obliging and gentle, following the young maids in the streets, even into their homes. Alas! Who does not know that these gentle wolves, of all such creatures, are the most dangerous? Where Perrault uses four details of the big bad wolf, Jude takes these... um, 7 we have discussed and adds 11 more particulars take a look at verse 12 and 13 verses 12 and 13 in somewhat rapid fire progression jude begins to tear the clothes off these wolves and he says these are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you without fear let me pause for just a second on this detail as it's important to us today. The early church had love feasts they came together. As a matter of fact, today we will celebrate the Lord's table of which was being uh, uh, brought in together with these early love feasts that were going on in the early church. But as you can see when you read um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that Paul is rebuking them for coming to these love feasts to get drunk, to, uh, to gorge and to eat. They were stealing food from the poor, and all this was going on. And then they would go on and they would take the Lord's table, and they would do that without checking the sin
1: that they were very clearly in. The thing that is so applicable for us today is this these people don't know they're wolves. Some of them might. I hear of stories. But for the most part, they just like church. Church is their social club. And they want to come and they want
0: to get their way and they call themselves Christians. They are hidden reefs, Jude says here, hidden reefs reefs in your love feast, and if you get the idea here in the greek is that uh, where the water looks fine and calm if you've ever gone up to fish at Seminole lake for for trout or maybe uh, for walleye one of the biggest dangers in that lake is that everything looks wide open but there are these big towering rocks right up underneath the surface and if you're speeding along and you don't have a good map or a good gps and you're not aware of what's going on underneath the surface your boat hits that and it sinks It's one of the most dangerous lakes for that in this part of the country. That's the imagery that Jude is using. It looks like everything's fine, but they are hidden reefs in your love fees, and they do it, listen, without fear. They care for themselves only. If you want to know what a wolf looks like, they're never doing things for other people. They're more concerned about their motive, what they want out of people, what they need to get. And, and so what comes across maybe as caring for you is really just caring for the things that they want. they are clouds without water. And if you've lived in Cheyenne and you're not just passing through, you will know that this summer has been ridiculously hot and dry. And every afternoon, believe me, because I really want to finish the siding on my house, I am praying that these clouds... That are rising up will bring some rain and bring some reprieve from the heat, and that's what Jude is saying. They are these people, right? They appear to be Christians. They they are loud. They they look like they have something to give, but every day the wind just blows them away. They have nothing to give. They are carried along by the winds. They are autumn trees. In the Jewish mind, there is an autumn harvest without fruit. They are doubly dead. They are uprooted. They are wild waves of the sea. If you spend any time on the sea, oftentimes they'll get these wild waves. They're not even coming from the direction of all the other waves. And they wreck
1: ships. They're casting up their own shame like foam. Well, the benefits of living in Wyoming is almost every night... You can go outside in
0: just about any place, and you can look up, and we look at, And you don't have to look for very long, and you'll see what we call a what? A shooting star, a falling star. It's the imagery that Jude uses here. For a second, they show up, and everybody goes, oh, did you see that?
1: And then off they go into the darkness Forever. They are wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. Beloved, for certain persons have crept into the church
0: unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness
1: and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. It is dangerous. At the end of Perrault's fairy tale, a wooder comes to rescue a woodcutter. Excuse me,
0: comes to rescue Red Riding Hood and her grandmother with his axe. While the wolf is sleeping because his belly is big and full, he uh, the the woodcutter cuts him open, and little Red Riding Hood, along with her grandmother, comes spilling out. Kind of gross. They emerge a little bit unshaken, but uh, a little bit shaken, but unharmed, and while the wolf is still sleeping after this surgery, apparently they fill his stomach with stones. The wolf gets up and he's thinking, man, I'm thirsty.
1: And so he heads on over to the well and the weight of those stones cast him in and he dies a horrible death. Jude tells us, he told the church,
0: Peter had said the These false teachers were coming, Jesus said. Those false teachers were coming. Paul had warned false teachers are coming. Paul told the Ephesian
1: elders in Acts chapter 28, 20, verse 28, that wolves from among the elders of Ephesians would rise up among them
0: and that they would take away disciples unto themselves. Think of that. The warnings are there. The warnings are there. Peter is warning. Jesus is warning. Paul is warning.
1: Jude says they are here. Jude says, I felt the necessity to write to
0: you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. Beloved, the church in the first century had wolves who had crept in and certainly we have them in the church now. But like every wolf, we may get tricked by their appearance on the outside, but the fruit never, never lies. As a pastor, I am constantly paying attention to potential divisions, grumblings, and I'm asking, is there a wolf in the sheep? What's going on? I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to sit down with you. I'm going to encourage you not to do certain things, act certain ways.
1: Why? Because as a shepherd, that's what we're to do. We're to protect the sheep. Amen? So grateful for the Word of God and its instruction to us and grateful for Jude and the warnings to the church and to the pastors. Let's pray. Fathers, we come
0: to you this morning. Um, I cannot read these lists and, and and completely separate myself, Lord. There is sin in my own life an inability to see through a glass
1: clearly, Lord. I thank you for your spirit. I pray today as, as your saints have gathered here at First Baptist, that
0: whatever conviction may have come to them during this time, Lord, that you would grant them repentance. Lord, maybe some have never followed you, but they've always called themselves a Christian. Lord, I pray that you would draw them to yourself, Lord, that they would confess with their mouth that you are Lord,
1: master of their life, and believe in their hearts that you were raised from the dead to overcome the curse of sin, which was death. Lord, we love you. We thank you for these great warnings in this great little letter in June. We pray.